0: morning, familia. My name is Ricky Martin. You guys know who Ricky Martin is? You are not as spiritual as I thought you were. My name is Hannibal Rodriguez, one of the teaching pastors here. And can you do me a favor? Can you please stand for the reading of God's word? And we do this as a sign of reverence to the Lord. Uh, The text for today comes from Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to be reading from verses... 5 to 11, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. This is the word of the Lord. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Verse 7, rather... He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Lord, we pray that you speak to us this morning. As we answer this important question, is Jesus really God? Holy Spirit, please help us, allow us to understand and believe, Lord, what your scripture already said. We pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says, you may be seated. Um, So for the last few weeks, as you heard, we have been going through this series that we have called Explore God. It's actually us and another 900 churches um, going through this uh, set of questions or set of teachings um, uh, that respond questions that we all have. For actually, it doesn't really matter if you are a Christian or if you are exploring Christianity. We all have these questions. At one point in your life, you have had this question. Or these questions, or you have these questions, or you will have these questions. And as I mentioned today, we're answering this really, really important question. Is Jesus really God? And the way I'm going to deal with this, uh, the way I'm going to answer this question is under three points, which is usually how I do everything in my life. Um, Let's see if this works. Yep, this doesn't work. Can I have the other one? There it is. Thank you very much. That wasn't me, though. Uh, the way we're gonna do this is really simple. First, I'm gonna make an statement. We're gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna show to you why is it that Christians actually claim that Jesus is God. In the second point, I'm gonna I'm gonna what we're gonna do is we answering the question: If Jesus is really God, what are the implications of it? If Jesus is God, then what happens? And then lastly, we're gonna, um, I'm going to try to explain to you why, if Jesus is God, he had to die. So why Jesus is God evidences. If Jesus is God, then what are the implications? And number three, if Jesus is God, why did he have to die? Can you do me a favor just to make you uncomfortable? Can you look at the person next to you and ask the question, do you know Jesus? Go ahead. All right. First point, is Jesus really God? Um, I know that maybe for some of us here, this, this statement feels a little bit arrogant. Um, because it's almost like us as Christians saying that we know that if Jesus is God, there are no other gods. But what I want you to see, though, is that if we confess that Jesus is God, it's because everything we believe Our whole system of beliefs, our our whole worldview of life, our whole, um, whole philosophy of life is based on this. If we don't believe that Jesus is God, everything we are and everything we believe falls apart. Let me say that again. If we don't believe that Jesus is God, everything we are and everything we believe falls apart. If Jesus is not God, there is no Christianity. If Jesus is not God, then thousands and thousands of people have suffered and died for nothing. If Jesus is not God, these people suffer for nothing. Actually, this last month, there's a ministry called Open Doors Ministry. Last month, they gave their latest uh, report. This is a ministry that worked with the persecuted church in different parts of the world, and in their last report, they said that today, 245 million Christians suffer persecution. Compared to last year, that's 14 percent more than last year. That means that one out of every nine Christians experience high levels of persecution. That means that last year alone, 4,136 Christians died because of their faith. That's 11 people a day died because of their faith. 1,200 churches were destroyed last year alone. 2,600 Christians were imprisoned last year alone. If Jesus is not God, then people are dying and suffering for nothing. If Jesus is not God, we have believed a lie that has lasted 2,000 years. If Jesus is not God, 31% of the world's population, 2.3 billion people are completely wrong. They're living an illusion. If Jesus is not God, Buddhism is right. Jesus was just an enlightening man. If Jesus is not God, Hinduism is right. He was just the incarnation of a God. If Jesus is not God, Islam is right. Jesus was just a prophet. If Jesus is not God, the Jehovah Witnesses are, are right. Jesus is just an angel. If Jesus is not God, Mormonism is right. Jesus was just a man that became one of the many gods. If Jesus is not God... The New Age movement is right. It's just a spiritual force. But I want to argue that the reason why 2.3 billion people today believe in Jesus is because Jesus is God. And the reason why I want to argue that 4,100 people suffer because of Jesus is because Jesus is God. And I want to argue that the reason why in 2019 probably another 4,000 people will die for Jesus It's because Jesus is God. And that's exactly the reason why Paul, the man that we just read, which he was the last apostle of Jesus Christ, that's the reason why he wrote what he wrote. This is what is interesting, the section which is read, the book which is read, was written 60 years after Jesus' death. So if Jesus was phony, 60 years would be enough. And yet, Paul writes this letter from prison because of his faith. And he's writing to a bunch of suffering Christians because of their faith. If Jesus was phony, he would have never written this. You know what's so interesting about that letter that we just read? That the main theme of the letter is the concept of joy. This is a suffering man about to be executed. Writing to suffering Christians that probably will be executed. And the main theme of the letter is joy. In the the midst of suffering... The main theme of the letter is joy. Do you know why? Because Jesus is God. Now, this is super interesting. The section which is read is a hymn, it's a song. And every time you find songs in the Bible, that's that's important because it's almost the way in which we remind ourselves in the things that we believe. That's why worship is not just about emotions is we confess things because we believe those things. So when Paul, Paul is writing this to this suffering church, is because he wants them to sing and remember in the person in which they have believed. The man that was God. And the way he's going to explain all of this is in different ways with de- using different words. So for example, in verse 6, he describes Jesus as a being And then he says that that being is the very nature of God. And he says that that being that is the very nature of God has equality with God. And every single one of those words is extremely important. The word being here in the text implies pre-existence. What Paul is saying is that Jesus, the man that we believe to be God, pre-existed before he was born. Now, if you're wondering where Paul got that from, and he got that from, from Jesus. A good example of this is John chapter 8, in which Jesus is having this conversation with religious leaders. And they're arguing about Abraham, which happened to be one of the spiritual leaders of the time. And it's actually one of the spiritual leaders of our time. Our faith is based in, in a man like that. What is interesting though is that Jesus, having this conversation with these people, he says, Before Abraham was, I am. Abraham was born 2,500 years before Jesus. And anybody will hear that and say, Well, Jesus, you're crazy. And this is the way in which Jesus is proving to these people and saying, Before even Abraham existed, I existed. And when Paul says that he's the very nature of God, he's saying that Jesus in him has the same uh, nature and essence of God. That's why he says that he's got equality with God. Now, if you pay attention to the life of Jesus Christ, if you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would see that Jesus fully displays all the attributes of the God in the Old Testament. So, for example, Jesus would say something like, I would always be present, Matthew chapter 28, meaning that Jesus is omnipresent. Later on, he says that he's all-powerful, Matthew chapter 28. And he says, all authority has been given to me, meaning that Jesus is omnipotent. The Bible describes Jesus as a person that, uh, who never changes, He's immutable. That will be the theological word. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. The New Testament describes Jesus as the one that knows it all. He's omniscient. He had the ability to read people's thoughts and minds and hearts and the motivations of the heart. The New Testament describes Jesus as the creator and sustainer of all creation. All things were created to, through him. That will be John chapter 1. And he holds and sustains all things together. That will be Colossians chapter 1. Do you know why Paul was willing to suffer in prison? Do you know why Paul wrote a letter about joy in the midst of suffering? Do you know why Paul is writing to a group of suffering Christians? Because he believed that Jesus was God. He was worth the suffering. He did not lose hope. Because if Jesus is God, you have it all. But Paul doesn't stop there because he goes to verse, uh, verse, chapter, uh, verse number 9. And he says that God exalted Jesus to the highest place. And that his name is above every name. And that's a very interesting statement. Because the word exalted here means hyper exalted. Exalted. In other words, Jesus is incomparable. There's no one like him. Now, this is the interesting thing, people. That this word right here, this statement right here, appears in the Old Testament. Psalm 97. In which God, the Father, is describing himself as the most exalted one. So you have to ask the question. If God is the most exalted one, why is he using the same phrase to describe Jesus? Well, because Jesus is God. He is the most exalted one. That's why his name is above every name. I would say that that's enough, but Paul doesn't stop there. Because if he goes to uh, verse number uh, 10... He says that to the, uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. This word right here, the word bow, is an extremely important word. That means that to the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, Jesus deserves all devotion and worship. Once again, Paul here is quoting Isaiah chapter 45. And Isaiah chapter 45, Isaiah is one of the prophets in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 45, God is saying that the only person that is worthy of devotion and worship is God alone. But the question we got to ask is, if God is the only one worthy of worship and devotion, why is this being applied to Jesus here? Do you know why Paul was suffering? Do you know why Paul was willing to stay in prison and die in prison? Do you know why he wrote a whole letter to suffering Christians? Because he believed that Jesus is worthy of everything. Even dying. That's the reason why we believe that Jesus is God. And that will be enough, but Paul doesn't stop there. Because in verse 11, he says this, and in every tongue, that every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is the climax of the hymn. That word Lord is the ultimate expression and confession of faith. When Paul uses the word Lord, That Jesus is Lord, he's saying two things. That Jesus is sovereign over all. That he is above all and in control of all. And when Paul says that Jesus is Lord, he is saying that he is God. You know how I know that? Because the word Lord here is the same word that is used in the Old Testament to describe God as Yahweh. Do you know why Paul was willing to live, suffer, and die for Jesus? Because he believed that Jesus was God. Do you you know why a bunch of Christians read and sang this letter? Because they believed That Jesus is God. Do you know why 2.3 billion people today believe in Jesus? Because they believe that Jesus is God. Do you know why 4,100 people last year alone died for Jesus? Because they believe that Jesus is God. You know, I could go through all the New Testament, but you're probably going to fall asleep. But we, I could argue from the New Testament that the reason why Jesus is called Emmanuel is because he's God with us. I could go through the New Testament and tell you that that's the reason why they call Jesus the true God. Our great God and Savior. King and only God. I could argue that the reason why Jesus was born of a virgin... It's because he was God. And we could argue, which I think is the ultimate evidence of Jesus' deity, the resurrection, which is a historical fact. The reason why Jesus resurrected is because he is God. So what, what don't we hear from one of the modern theologians today? Bono. From you too. If you don't know who Bono is, you have issues. But this is what Bono says To not believe in Jesus requires more faith. Because all the evidences are there. Question Why is it so hard to believe in him then? See, there might be some of you here that could hear all of this and say, well, that doesn't mean anything. So as as I was studying this, I was struggling a little bit with this. You know why? Because I believe that the Bible shows that the only way in which we actually get to believe in Jesus is if the Holy Spirit comes to us and allows us to see. In a way, it is impossible for anybody to believe in Jesus. Jesus. Unless the Holy Spirit comes and opens your eyes and you get to see. So I'm thinking, maybe, maybe, just maybe I shouldn't preach this sermon. Maybe I should just pray. But this is the thing. I think that if you deny the evidences, the biblical evidences of Jesus' deity, There's another reason. There's a question behind the question. I think that many of us are asking the question, is Jesus really God? Because there's another question behind that. And this will be point number two. Because if Jesus is God, then everything changes. If Jesus is God, then everything changes. This is what I mean. No one can claim to believe in Jesus as God and stay the same. You cannot claim that you believe as Jesus, that you believe in Jesus as God and stay the same. It's simply impossible. It's as illogical as me telling you something like this. This morning, before I came to church, I was walking down the street and this humongous truck hit me. But don't worry, I'm okay. Would you believe that? Well, claiming that you believe in Jesus as God and not being changed is illogical. It's just as illogical. You know who believed the same thing? Larry King. If you know anything about Larry King, you know that he's an atheist. And a few years ago in an interview, they were asking him, if you had the chance to interview one person in all history, who would that be? To which he answered, Jesus Christ. And the person asked why now listen to his answer i would ask him that if he was really born of a virgin that changes everything this is an atheist people this is a person who doesn't believe in religion he believes that human beings created religion because we die super interesting His argument for believing in religion is he says people believe in religion because eventually we're all going to die, so we need to cling to something. But he understood that if you you believe that Jesus is God, that changes everything. He understood that if Jesus is God, you must reorient your life, your entire life around Jesus and his claims. This is the same reason why C.S. Lewis years ago, argue that if Jesus is not God, then he had to be a liar or a lunatic. But if Jesus was not a liar or a lunatic, he had to be God. He says this, either he was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse, you can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. It's impossible to believe that Jesus is God and not be changed by it. Tim Keller would say something very uh, something similar to that. He would actually say that in our culture and in our time, there are so many of us that we believe that Jesus is God, but we just like him a little bit. But this is his argument. That if Jesus is God, you don't get to like him. Your only option is to worship him. So he imagines Jesus saying this to us. I am going to push you to the extremes. You'll either have to reject me or accept me, but you won't just like me. I won't let you like me. You'll crown me or you'll kill me. Either I'm right uh, and you have to come and adore me. Or I'm wrong, and you have to destroy me. But how dare you just like me? That's a very interesting statement, people. So if you're visiting here for the first time, this is not for you. This is for, for those of us that claim to believe in Jesus. You don't get to like Jesus. So I want to give you um, three implications of this. Because if Jesus is God, that changes everything. Implication number one is this. If Jesus is God, I'm not. That's so simple. Let's just pray. If Jesus is God, then I'm not. And if I'm not God, then the realization is that as human beings, we are limited. We are limited in understanding. We are limited in power. We are limited with abilities. And if Jesus is God, that means then that we must trust him. And that we only depend on him. And if Jesus is God, then that means that you cannot change yourself. That he must change you. And then if Jesus is God and you're not, then he is the center of the universe, not you. You know how painful that is. You know how painful that we come to church to get elevated and the preacher says, you are not the center of the universe. I believe that every single one of us would say, yeah, amen to that. I agree with that. But I also think that that's the reason why so many of us here struggle with people's opinions. I would argue that the reason why we... Even though we claim to believe that Jesus is God, but we also want to be some sort of God is the reason why we so desperately need to be accepted and loved and understood and appreciated by others. Because something deep down inside says, man, you should be the center of the universe. You know what's sad though? That you're looking in people for something that they cannot give you. That you want other broken people just like you to give you what they cannot give you. There's a great book called uh, Glory Hunger by this man, uh, J. I. Vassar, And he says this, we are broken people looking to other broken people to fix our broken lives. We are glory deficient people. The word glory there, he's using it as importance or value. We are glory-deficient people looking to other glory-deficient people to supply us with glory. Looking to other people to provide for us what they lack themselves is a fool's errand. It's a futile, it is futile to look to other glory-hungry people to fully satisfy our glory hunger. And doing so leaves us, leaves our souls empty. That's why it's never enough. That's why the worst thing that you could do is be be bound to people's opinions. That's why if Jesus is God, you're not, and you must stop playing God. If Jesus is God, then He is Lord, and you know what that means, right? That if he is Lord, you don't adjust God to what you want, you adjust yourself to what he wants. You don't get to tell God what he ought to do, he tells you what you ought to do. You know, this is so complicated in our culture today. And to a certain degree, I believe that this has affected the church greatly. Because there's this tendency to believe that if we submit our lives to Jesus, we are losing freedom. You know what was the most popular song in 2013? The most popular song, Let It Go. If you have kids, you probably hate that song by now. Let it go, let it go, turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say, just let it go, let it go. Do you know why that song is so popular? Because we have believed the false idea of freedom. There's a, there's a book, a secular book, called The Paradox of, Cho- uh, the Paradox of Choice. And you can, I mean, I don't recommend the whole book, but the premise of the book is this is a psychologist, a professor, and a writer. And he says that we have this idea uh, that this is the, the dogma of our society, that we're supposed to be free. And he uses this example here, and you probably can read it there. But here at the bottom, the father is telling little fish right here. You can be anything you want to be no limits can't you see the irony of this can these tiny little fish live outside of this see I believe that that's the lie that many of us have have believed I think that many of us believe that we can be completely free I think that some of us have actually bought the idea that we can be completely free. And I believe that's the reason why if I ask you what is your definition of freedom, you would say freedom is the absence of limitations and restrictions. But I want to argue today that if Jesus is Lord, he gives you the limitations and restrictions, and I would also argue that there is nothing in life that you actually, there's no situation in, which you, in your life in which you can actually say, I am completely free. That doesn't exist, you know? Complete freedom like that doesn't exist, and I'm going to prove it to you. You ready? Work. Let's say that you go to your work and you say and you and you tell your boss, you know what, I'm just gonna work 50 hours, uh, 25 hours this week. Man, you better have some savings. Because you're not that free. You could pay attention, you could you could apply that also to school, for example, for those of you that are still in school. You cannot go to your teacher or your professor and say, you know what, I'm just gonna come to school three days a week. Man, you better get ready for GED. You're not that free. I could also apply that principle to health. I'm going to eat whatever you, whatever, whatever I want. And I would say, man, you better get a good health insurance because you're going to die. You know what's the most important one of the, all of these? Relationships. If you want to be a good parent and you tell your kid, Okay, sweetie, you can do whatever you want. You know that you're going to have that kid living with you for the rest of eternity. <laughs> He's going to be in your basement forever. Under your insurance. That wouldn't work in a healthy marriage. You don't tell me what to do. Man, you better, you better, <laughs> you better make an appointment with the pastor. You're not that free. This is the thing. No one is truly free. We are all restricted by something. But what the Bible says is that true freedom comes when you submit to something that is going to fulfill your heart. And that, my brothers and sisters, is Jesus. That's freedom. Freedom. Just as much a fish cannot live out of the water, you cannot live your life without God. True freedom is you living according to what you were created for. Freedom then is not the absence of limitations, but it is finding the right ones, those that fit our nature and liberate us. And that's why Jesus says, you will know the truth, meaning him, and that truth will set you free. If Jesus is God, then he is enough. Listen, if Jesus is God and you're not, if Jesus is God and he's Lord, if Jesus is God, then he is enough. He is the person you have been looking for. He is the person that you so much want. He is the person that fulfills all your longings and desires. Jesus is the end of all your means. He is the person that you were designed to live for. Jesus is enough because it is only him, the only person that, is, that qualifies you to save you. Which that leads me to my third question. If Jesus is God, Why did Jesus have to die? This is a beautiful text here. Because if Jesus is the omnipotent one, why did he he become nothing? If Jesus is the eternal one, why did he become a servant? If Jesus is the omnipotent one, why did he become like a human being? If Jesus is the almighty one, why did he humble himself? If Jesus is the powerful one, why did he become weak and died on a cross? And the answer is simple. To save you. See, if Jesus is God, and he is, he will be the only person that qualifies to save you. And if Jesus is God, and he is, he is the only one that has the power to save you. This is the reason why Paul, what he wrote, this is the reason why Paul wrote what he wrote. This is the reason why Paul from prison can experience joy. This is the reason why people are willing to suffer for Jesus. This is the reason why 2.3 billion people in the world believe in Jesus. This is the reason why many of us, we probably will have to die for Jesus. But we will do it with joy. See, if Jesus is God, that changes everything. So let me finish with this story here. Um, There's a man... Uh, Gregory Boyle. And I, um, that was recommended for someone here at church. And I've been uh, going through one of his books. Um, and this is a man that uh, started this ministry working with gang, men, uh, gang members. People coming out of prison as gang members and, and people coming out of gangs uh, in the city of Los Angeles. But he tells this story about uh, this specific day in which, in which he was driving with, with one of the guys from the ministry. His name is Manuel. And they're driving, and Manuel, uh, he gets this text, and he starts laughing in the, in, you know, in the car. And uh, Gregory asks, oh, you know, what's, what's so funny? And he says, well, it's nothing. It's just Snoopy. You know, Snoopy is one of the other guys. And he says, Snoopy just told me that he got arrested because he has been charged with being the ugliest kid in Los Angeles. But then he says, but Snoopy is telling me, Orale, Holmes. I imagine that's, that's how they talk. Come here, homie. I have to show them that they got the wrong guy. But Gregory says that as he's driving, he realized something. That a week before, these two kids... We're shooting at one another because they belong to rival gangs. And now, they're shooting text. And I would say, that is the power of the gospel. That is the reason why we believe that Jesus is God. Because he does what no one else can. And what nothing else can. Do you believe in Him like that? Believe. Believe. And if you already believe, believe again. Until you truly believe that He's all you want. And that you need nothing else. Amen? Before I pray for the offering, I... I I want to invite you to believe for real. And if there's anybody here that doesn't have this kind of saving relationship with God, there's a place in your bulletin in which you could put your information there. We We want to walk with you. We want to serve you. We want to answer your questions. Please allow us to walk with you in this as you make this. This is the most important decision that you can make in your life. And for the rest of us, Just ask the Lord to help you believe in the midst of your unbelief. Amen. Let's pray for that offering. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you are enough. That if you are God, you are enough. That if you are God, I don't have to try to be God. That if you are God, you are Lord, Lord over everything, the sovereign Lord. That if you are God, even in the midst of suffering, I could be okay. That if you are God, even if you don't take my problems away, you sustain me through my problems. That if you are God, there's nothing that can fulfill my heart the way you do. That if you are God, you are what I have been looking for. That if you are God... I need you. And I pray, Lord, that you do something wonderful today. And I pray, Lord, that you allow us to believe. Lord, if there's anybody here today that is making some sort of profession, please help them and sustain them and allow them to see the beauty of the gospel. And we thank you, Lord, because you allow us to give you just a little bit of everything that you have given us. And I pray, Lord, that you use this money not not, not for Witten Bible Church per se, but for the extension of your kingdom. For your name to be glorified for more and more people to get to know how amazing you are. Please make it happen. In the name of Jesus, we pray.